Welcome back to Daily Dose, it's me, Nick. On today's episode, I share an inspirational story about an aeronautical engineer named Paul McCready and his human-powered plane, the Gossamer Albatross. That sounds pretty great, right? It gets even better because Bob shares how he integrates stories like these into his professional speaking gigs so the inspiration goes off at the right time. Enjoy. I'm reading... um a book, the third book by the authors of Freakonomics. Have you read any of these books? I read Freakonomics. What was the second one? I think it was like Freakonomics 2 okay. or uh, Freakonomics Re- yeah, Revisited or something. I did this, read the first one. This third one is called Think Like a Freak. And basically what it does is it distills all the principles that go into these two econo- economists thinking the way that they do. Uh, and it's been fascinating because as I'm listening to it, I'm like, this is how I think. These guys actually look at things the same way. They're using the same examples I do when I'm trying to teach other people to think. Mm. You know, like think like a child. Although beautiful distillation they gave up. Like they give you elements of thinking like a child. Like thinking like a child means thinking small, not thinking big. Which is you've got an issue like, let's say, um, world hunger. A child is not looking at how do I solve where our hunger. Their child is thinking, how do I get food into my mouth? How do I get food into John's mouth? And then starting from there, they start to break down the big, the bigger uh, problems into yeah. smaller pieces and actually solve them. Uh, but I've been enjoying listening to this again because it does remind me we have to look at things differently and make fewer assumptions and really open our minds to be changed because that's the other thing. Thinking like a freak, you can't have a fixed brain. So let me ask you this. When you're when you're trying to teach people how to think differently, mm-hmm. which is tough, what a lot of people do is they'll uh, inspire them with stories. Yeah. Right? But how much of that sticks or how much of that is really translatable? Because I'll give you an example. I, I love the story about the guy who... Uh, they used to do these uh, prizes for people to do crazy things, right? Like Charles Lindbergh flying over the Atlantic. He did that to win a prize. I did not know that. Yeah. So there's a lot of these things where, and for some reason it was hotel magnets, magnates, not magnets, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hotel magnets that you put on your fridge, I guess. Um, they would do this. They would say, okay, if you can fly from here to here, because they would think it would inspire people to do more would show them that it was safe to do and then they would travel more i guess yeah yeah so there was one about flying a unpowered uh glider across the english channel and so they kept trying to do this and they kept trying to do this and the guy and i can't remember his name i'll put it into the show notes and into the intro or outro and what would what was happening is they would work for you know six months on the plan and then they would build the plane for a year and then they would go out and try it and it would fail. And then they had to do another 18 to 24 months of working on the next plane. Right. And so the guy who finally came up with the, um, the design said, well, this isn't a, an aeronautical challenge. This is a ideation challenge. Like what we have to do is fail faster. What we have to do is put this together with duct tape and staples and figure out if it flies so that we can do an iteration every week. Beautiful. So it's those sorts of stories that really get me. Like, I love that. And for some reason, like, I'm thinking of three others, and they're all aviation-related. So maybe I was a pilot at some point. There's a few few actually aviation examples in this book as well. Oh, yeah. The the Wright brothers and stuff like that. Yeah. It's, um, yes, 
It's, but how do you, so when you hear that, or what would your recommendation be for someone who, I, I love that story, I'm going to internalize it. How do you get that to come out at the right times? How do you get that to come out? Like I'm stuck on something. Should I have a picture of an airplane right in front of me so that when I look up, I can think about that guy and then I can go and do my stuff? I think it, part of it comes down to the debrief, right? You tell the story, but it has to go back to, why am I telling you the story? And, oh, and, yeah. and when we debrief, in my, my thoughts, we're planting mind bombs, right? Timed to go off when the opportunity is right. You know, when I was doing advertising for Orlando Health, uh, health big healthcare conglomerate in Central Florida, healthcare is irrelevant to anybody who's not experiencing a healthcare crisis, right? So I had to create advertising that was sticky enough in their brains that it would go off when they had a healthcare crisis. And I think it's the same thing with these stories. You kind of have to give them the, so the next time that you find yourself facing a challenge like this, remember that how you define the challenge can change the way that you solve the challenge. And if you define the challenge too narrowly, which is actually a big creative problem, yeah. Yeah. Uh, then you're not gonna solve the problem that you're seeking to solve. And I'm always recommending that people zoom out really hard. Look at that big picture, then zoom in on what you think is important. Then blow that out really big and then zoom in on what you think is important again until you get to the real heart of what's going on. And I feel like in order to do that when you're telling a story, you've gotta give them hooks or things that will allow them to go, oh, okay, well, I'm experiencing that thing right now. Example, I may have told you the story, but um, one of the things that I talk to groups about is dealing with change. And I... I everybody up, loves change. Uh -huh. That's what I've learned. Yes, everybody, yes. Uh, as someone once said, nobody does really except for a wet baby. But we're having to deal with it all the time. And so I put up a big striking image that says plot twist on the screen. And I say to the audience, how many of you love movies? And they raise their hands. How many of you love books? They raise their hands. How many of you love television shows? They raise their hands. And I'm like, when one of these shows up, a plot twist, in those, what happens inside your mind? And I know what happens inside your mind. You go, oh, I can't wait to see what happens next. Yeah. This is awesome, right? Yeah. But why don't we do that in real life? Yeah. Okay? Why don't we do that in real life? And what I'm suggesting to you is when you find yourself in a situation where you've hit a plot twist, you need to just say to yourself inside your head, well, plot twist and it will change the way you view the change that you've hit and I offer you this example because I was doing a um, a gig for a, a big international publisher uh, over at the, the Grand Bohemian a few weeks ago and the person who hired me for the gig was this lovely person really smart funny really loved her and uh, we got in the room together and we hit it off really well we tag teamed and we played and she was super fun and then two weeks after the event she calls me up and she says, hey, Bob. Uh, and by the way, I was sharing that concept, the plot twist and ready for anything. She goes, hey, I just wanted to let you know that I got laid off from this company. Uh, and this is one of those examples where it's like, how do you lay off a person like this? Yeah. This seems like the kind of person everyone would want to hold on to. But she goes, so I walk into my boss's office and he sits me down and he says, hey, I'm sorry, but we got to let you go. And I looked at him and I said, plot twist? I was so full of joy that this lesson that I offered in this room showed up at that exact moment when she needed it the most, right? She had the humor of it yeah. and she had the perspective of it right when she needed it. Uh, people don't report back to me when those things happen often enough because when that happens, I'm like, whoa, more plot twist out there. I gotta, it's helping. People are actually getting the message. So that was one example of just that where it's like, 
oh man, I'm so glad that it did take because if it had just left flash in the pan in the room, what a waste. I don't actually want to do that. I don't want to turn you on, heat you up and send you out to get cooled off. I want to turn you on and show you where that turn on button is so that you can turn it on yourself when you leave. When I like that idea of the just, you know, the proximity mind that you put in their brains. As, as much right? as you like can. As soon as you're going by that, again, I always think of video games, of course, because yeah. that's, you know, on the first person shooters, proximity minds were awesome. <laughs> um, but yeah, you're going through that experience or something like that experience. And all of a sudden yeah. you remember, yeah, this Ooh. is a great story. Hi, gang. It's Bob. I honestly have the most tolerant podcast partner on the planet. He smiles, he listens, he quips, and he lets me fill an entire podcast with my stories and exploits. Thank you, Nick. In fact, let's hear it for all the listeners in our lives, the people who let us unleash ourselves in their presence. That, of course, includes you, dear listener. Thank you for tuning in and listening to your daily dose. We appreciate you more than you know. That does it for this episode of The Dose. We'll catch you next time.